right, y'all, so, um, just, just like any other day, you know, I got up, I went to work, and now I'm hanging out with, uh, two of the most iconic human beings in <laughs> the Rocky Horror community, period, with my good friends, Aaron and Meg. Nice stretch. Nice You're really burying the lead here. And not only do, do we have you and, and Meg here, we've also got Phil, our wonderful, wonderful <laughs> friend from the 8th Street Playhouse. Hello. The boy I'm, genius. I'm, I'm trying to represent, but you know what? It's such a pleasure to be back on the show. Thanks, Phil. And I, and I hear that uh, we've got a, another guest here with us today. Why, yes, that's true. So uh, with no delay, let's give it up for the one, the only, Sal Piro. <laughs> Who? <laughs> Hello, Sal. How are you Hello, doing? Hello, guys. My God. What happened in my apartment here? It turns into a recording studio. You're welcome. Oh, God. <laughs> Indeed, we have strung cables all over Sal's living room. And uh, yeah, we are very excited to get to get to talk to you today, Sal. Thank you for joining us. Well, everybody kept saying to me, there's this great podcast. And I kept saying, how come nobody's asked me to be on that one? <laughs> it just took us some time. Okay, we were scared. We were nervous. And now we're not. <laughs> no, don't, please. <laughs> don't be afraid. This isn't the squid game, okay? <laughs> oh, it's not. I'm out of here. <laughs> They're making a second one, isn't that really? great? Yeah. Oh. So I think we should kind of uh, jump right into it. And we've got a ton of things that we want to talk about with Sal today. How about I tell you the first time? Ooh. My first time. Okay. Yes, please. I had a very good friend who I used to sublet from. And we were very good friends. We liked the same movies. And he had seen this movie in the village called The Rocky Horror Picture Show like four or five times, which meant nothing to me because I've seen other films 20, 30, 40. And I said, we're going to try this out. So I went down with my couple of my friends, one of them, Mark Shaman, who wrote Hairspray and uh, the, the recent musical on Broadway. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, we went to see this thing. There was a line outside. It was very early in the run. And we walked in, and it was like we walked into a movie. It was the Waverly in the village, and everybody was just, it was an excitement in the air. And we loved it so much. I kept thinking, I got to get this album. Where do I find it? In those days, it wasn't like on the old shelves and everything. Were people dressed up back then? No, no, no. It was starting to, it, it was just starting to happen. The first time I went, there was a rumble in the audience, voices and people cheering and stuff like that. Nothing had started yet. And there was a guy who sat in the front of the balcony named Louis Farise, a kindergarten teacher with a great voice. And Janet came out with the newspaper on her head and he screamed out, buy an umbrella, you cheap bitch. And the place went crazy. <laughs> and then we'd spend the rest of the week before we come back to two nights of Rocky. We'd spend the rest of the week. What can we say here? What can we say there? And then Dory started coming and she just wore eye makeup. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, within two weeks, she's in full costume and full, full regalia. And um, people started doing little bits. Like somebody brought me a big ring, a giant ring, a toy ring. Uh -huh. And I lifted it up, and this is nicer than Betty Monroe had. And just all these little things started creeping in. And everybody was like, oh, my God. And the movie started at midnight in the village. And all of a sudden, 
we were getting there at 8 o'clock just to get the front row seats that we wanted. Jory mm -hmm. sat in the balcony, I sat in the fifth row on the aisle, and it became a thing. And we all, for those three and a half hours before they let us into the theater, we just got to know each other. And we started going out to the village and eating lunch and dinner together. And we hung out together like we were like long lost friends. Mm -hmm. And Rocky was the thing that brought us all together. And I was a little older. I was 25, 26 when this was happening. Everybody else was in their early 20s or late teens. And people started dressing as the characters and we started doing little comedy bits. And Mark and I would think of all these different lines to shout or throwing hot dogs at the screen. <laughs> <laughs> and all of a sudden, the newspapers started noticing and they wrote about us and people were coming down, not only to see the movie, which is the reason why we do all this, but also to see us. You know, it was, it was really something. I think that kind of goes into the very first thing that we actually wanted to ask you, which was, what was like the moment that you saw the floor show expand to fully shadow casting the film? Like, was there just one specific night that everyone was like, we got to have one specific character, one person playing each character, somebody make a list, or was it just like totally organic? Um, it's, it's, it's different upon, with the person. Like, for example, Jory was sitting in the balcony, in the front center seat, in the balcony, and the night that she came in the uh, Fay Ray outfit, she stood out on the balcony, and everybody turned around and put lights on her. Oh, cool. And it was cheering and craziness and stuff like that. And then the next week, she got a she, she made the cape and came down to the suite for an investite in the aisle. Uh-huh. And I was doing little, I wasn't doing the characters per se, I was doing a little shtick. You know, um, I had my shabop, shabop, bop thing for Dr. Scott, and it was a big notebook, and I'd make everybody sing shabop, shabop, bop. <laughs> and so we were doing other than just exact reaper. We never really, in the beginning, did the entire film. Mm -hmm. We did mostly the musical numbers, uh, because we weren't prepared, the Waverly didn't have a dressing room, and and stuff like that. And as people moved to the malls, you know, you had all this storage space. We had nothing like that. Right. So that's us now, basically. Yeah. <laughs> At the Village East, we have next to nothing. We have a fire escape in the back of the building, and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of a return to form. But it, it's, it, look back at those days, and I really miss them, you know? I mean, we had everything all set. We knew what we were going to say at what times. It got a little out of hand, the, the shouting back to the screen. It got a little vulgar. It didn't need to be vulgar, and I'm not against vulgarity. I can say fuck with the best of it. But are you fucking joking me, Sal? <laughs> I am. I, I'm like Ruth in Ozark. You can't even stop saying fuck. <laughs> We've said far worse on this podcast. You oh, are, yeah. You are fine. <laughs> Can't believe I made an Ozark reference. <laughs> That's streaming for you people who don't know what that is. <laughs> so um, it, it just it became this thing. We wanted to not really top each other, but add to each other. And initially, we jumped, when Time Warp happened, we just run to the front of the screen and all do, all do the dance. Mm -hmm. Just to 
normal things to do. But what I did was I jumped in front of them and tap danced as Columbia and just dressed as me. Sure. And the next week, a girl came dressed as Columbia. Well, that's your spot, girl. You go take it now. Mm -hmm. And so I went from being the Columbia for the moment to to this girl in beautiful costume. Like that. <laughs> and then a couple times we'd have the usual, you know, who was friends with Dory, who was part of Sal's group, and uh, the balcony versus the fifth row. <laughs> and, uh, you know, there'd be more than one magenta, and there'd be jealousy. Dory, <laughs> Dory's friend Robin um, had to deal with this girl, Maria, who looked better. But Robin was one of the group, and, you know... All that kind of stuff happened. But um, I, I never thought when I was 26 years old, I would celebrate my 72nd birthday talking about it on a podcast, which I didn't even know what a podcast was. <laughs> <laughs> Happy birthday, Sal. Thank you. Tomorrow, yes. You don't look a day over 20. <laughs> 20,000. <000. laughs> now, uh, if I could ask, at, at this time in, in your 20s, you, you, were, you were an actor. You, you were acting and stuff. Well, right? what happened was I was in the seminary studying to be a priest. <laughs> I know, I know. You could all shrug. And um, I was studying to be a priest, and I took a, year, a leave of absence because I didn't have any money, and I wanted to see what the world was like. And you know what? The world was pretty good. Mm. And um, I never went back. And I had gotten a role in New York in a gay, one of the first gay musicals in New York called Gulp. It was about six gay guys on a beach and the lifeguard. And I was the the comedy relief. And, and, mm -hmm. and so I started, you know, I want to stay in New York. I want to be in the village. I want to act. I want to be a comedian. And people were very receptive to it. I did some stuff. And then all of a sudden, you know, Rocky started and went to Rocky. And there was nights like, am I going to do this play or am I going to go to Rocky Horror? And Rocky Horror always seemed to win. <laughs> and, and you were in a play with Nathan Lane too, right? Oh, yeah. We did, um, there was a theater company in New Jersey called the Halfpenny Playhouse. And Nathan Lane and I were in, a, his, his real name was Joe Lane. And uh, we were in a show together called Anything Goes, the old Cole Porter show, stuff like that. He was the comedy relief. <laughs> Even then, he was incredibly talented. I'm sure. But, but you, you've seen him since then. He still remembered you. Yeah, I, I saw him at some screening one night. He, he knew who I was because I, I think he knew the whole Rocky Horror thing. You know, the whole Rocky Horror thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's, what's funny is being recognized in the weirdest places. I went online in San Diego once and to see Rocky. And I was just there for seeing San Diego. And uh, all of a sudden, somebody, like somebody recognized me. It was the weirdest thing. And people were like, oh, my God, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, and then I that. had my, my enemies, too. You know, certain people who dressed as the characters would be enemies with people who were portrayed the, portrayed the same characters they did. Mm. But me, it was like, who are you to do Rocky Horror? You know. Haters gonna hate. Haters will always hate, as we know from social media. <laughs> <laughs>
See, I know what social media is, and I know who the Kardashians are, and I can name them in order of age. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be shy. <laughs> so, I mean, the, we're talking about the the big whole Rocky Horror thing, right? I mean, and and right at the beginning was when you know you formed the fan club, and you know all this. Was there like a big catalyst that kind of told you like? Somebody needs to organize this. Somebody should be me. I should, you know. Well, wait, this is what happened. We were sitting around one day, one week getting ready for Rocky. And we said, you know what would be great? We need to run, have a convention. Because, you know, there were Star Trek conventions and all that. We need a convention. And then we were all sitting around. Well, how do we do that? I said, maybe we need to start an organization, like a fan club or something, so we can make some money to run a convention. So we did that, and a group of us met on a weeknight at somebody's house, and we decided to have, like, an election and set. But I was a little older, and I had already started the whole thing with the fan club with them and stuff like that. And it came down to, like, I was running against Dory, and Dory said, I don't want to do that. I don't, <laughs> she didn't want to be fan club president. She just wanted to be frank. Mm-hmm. So they gave it to me, which I took easily because I, I always like to be an organizer. And so we started the fan club. And what was interesting then, because we didn't have any money, we, we charged. Mm-hmm. It was $3 for a half a year and uh, $4, no, $4 for a half year, $7 for a year. And the third week, we got a letter from Australia. <laughs> you know, with money in, <laughs> in the right, envelope. Right. We were like, okay. It was Australian money? No, no, it was American. I remember that. <laughs> you get it, you're like, I don't know what to do with this. <laughs> you're making me pay the currency conversion? Because <laughs> this was before PayPal would do it for you. Yeah, right? So we, did, we, we started this thing to run a convention, mm-hmm. which we wound up doing years later, and it, that's another story. But uh, he, uh, we made me the president, and then nobody else wanted to do it. So I did it, and I did it, and I did it, and I did it. And then, you know, they Lou asked me to do Creatures of the Night. So this is Lou Adler stepping up. Oh, right, Lou Adler, the producer, the grand poobah of Rocky Horror. (laughs) I'll tell you, he really was a very smart, he still is, I mean, a very smart man. He marketed Rocky in just the way not to overdo it. Mm-hmm. and allowed certain, like in, immediately they, of course there were t-shirts and things, but they didn't like sell Rocky Horror toilet paper yet or anything like that. And uh, he, he really kept the movie good. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate it. And, and we've become, over the years, good friends. He's a really smart man and I appreciate it. And I was a big fan of the Mamas and the Papas, so Lou Adler was always in my head, right. always. And Cheech and Chong, too. It's one of the other yeah, ones. Yeah, yeah, not always in my head. Oh. <laughs> Although, I do have a favorite Cheech and Chong joke. <laughs> well, it's just it's from one of their albums where they say, Mexican-Americans oh, right, right, go to right. night school, take Spanish, and get a B. <laughs> I have a lot of identification with that. Yeah. <laughs> well, 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 Puerto Rican-American. <laughs> no, I, I, they were all right. I wasn't into the whole pop culture, you know, and stuff like that. But uh, the mamas and the papas, oh. <laughs> yeah, we just, uh, 
couple weeks ago, we did a uh, episode about Lou and uh, the Roxy and the Sunset Strip and all of his stuff there. And I, I was fascinated to find out just how ingrained he was into L.A. music culture. You know, oh, my that, God. You know. He's in the Rock World Hall of Fame. Right. Oh, my God. He's amazing. I mean, when you think of, just think of three things. Carol King, Rocky Horror, Cheech and Chong, and then Rocky Horror. It's like, it's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody else had one of those credits, they'd be great. He's got four major credits. Right. You know? <laughs> On top of everything at the Whiskey Go and all that crazy I'm stuff. Sorry, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I'm secretly trying to direct from behind. Like, Have yeah. you ever seen, ladies and gentlemen, The Fabulous Stains? Mm. You actually made me see that movie, Uncle Sal. And how great <laughs> is that movie? Yeah, it is so awesome. I remember when it first came out, it was at the, at the film forum or something like that, and you said, it's important like you go see this film. There was yeah. like a couple of films you always said, go see this film. Like Paris is Burning, you said, go see this film. Oh, Paris is Burning. Uh, there's always a but film you said, the good thing about Ladies and Gentlemen, The Fabulous Stains, Diane Lane, as a teenage girl, and they have a rock, rock band, we're the Stains, and we don't put out. And it was all about these people coming to see them at the malls, dressed as them. So it had that rocky connection. Uh-huh. So tangential to this stuff, um, and uh, specifically to some of the the early, I'll, I'll call it tumultuous kind of stuff around the fan club and everything with that. Um, I know you've touched on this in Creatures, um, the fan club wars, Adam Sargis, all of this kind of nonsense. I'll bring it up. I mean, you don't have to talk about it if you don't want to, no, but I'm no, curious. That's fine. Adam Sargis was somebody who was very much into marketing and selling stuff and stuff like that. And he hooked up with me in the beginning because we didn't know any of that stuff about, mm-hmm. you know. But the problem is, it just, uh, what happened was we were getting all the publicity. He wasn't. Mm-hmm. And I, I had many fights with the owner of the H Street Playhouse. He, got, he was so jealous of the fame we made. And I said, you know what? I'd rather have the million dollars you made showing this movie for the last five years. Honestly. Than people saying, oh, he's funny, you know? I mean, it just, he came in one night and he goes, who the hell is your press agent? And I went like this. I said, somebody who started the cult that everybody's watching all around the world or somebody who owns a movie theater. Uh, Hello? Right. I said, you know, I said, meanwhile, and I did, I said, I'd, I'd rather take the money you made, really. But anyway, he passed on. Mm-hmm. He actually had somebody almost kill me once. Really? Yeah, this is a true story. I don't really share this, but I feel like it. You go Here's for it. the glass of wine. <laughs> somebody get this man more wine. <laughs> the 10th anniversary, through Lou and through Fox, was at the Beacon Theater. Mm-hmm. And it was on a Thursday night, which happened to be Halloween. And Steve was reaping the benefits of all these Rocky fans being in New York because I got Richard and Pat and Nell to come to 8th Street Friday and Saturday. We He didn't have to pay them. The place was packed. Wow. You know, and stuff like that. He was, he said to me, well, how come you're doing it in the, I said, because we have 3,000 people coming and you only hold 500. That's why it's at the uh, at Beacon. And he was like, so he goes up to one of the his security guards, big big guy. 
His nickname was Animal or something like that. It is never a good thing when somebody goes up to somebody whose nickname is Animal yeah. and points at you <laughs> while talking to them. Actually, though, it just has a nice ending. Steve said to him, gave him $100 and some um, pills. He said, put those pills in Sal's drink right oh. before he goes on stage. And you want me, drugless, if I had taken those pills, I would have freaked out on stage. Mm -hmm. And the guy happened to, the animal or whoever he was, happened to like me. And he <laughs> said, so he said, you know what? He told me the whole story. He said, I kept the pills in them. <laughs> Good. And then Steve had a record weekend. Yeah. Right. Made a ton of money anyway. This is why you are always friends with the security guard named Animal. <laughs> this is exactly why you make exactly. friends with him. <laughs> so you've answered like millions of fan club letters in your time. Like you've wrote the book on the phenomenon, like not to mention the trivia game, so much else, you know. Yeah. But is there anything out there that is still like nagging at you? Something that you wish that you had solved or you had known more about? Well, I think Phil Phil tell you this that we some of the letters we used to get oh, yeah. were unbelievable. Remember the <laughs> I'm going to tell you a story about this woman. Mm -hmm. If yeah, somebody wrote me a lot and I could say they were obsessed with Richard or I would throw an extra picture in their their newsletter and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And there was this one girl crazy for Tim Curry. Mm -hmm. Crazy. She was nuts. She was from Oklahoma or something. And I'd send her pictures to Tim, and she'd write me back, oh, thank you so much, thank you, I love it, I love it, I love it. And so then one day she sends me a picture. She had a nose job to have Tim's nose. Ooh. And I thought, oh, okay. <laughs> so I, I thought, oh, this is strange. Well, then a year later, or six months later or something like that, she writes me to thank me for all that I had done for her, giving her Tim pictures and stuff like that. But she's no longer into Tim. She has somebody new. Oh, no. Martina Navratilova. <laughs> I was like, what? I just spent three years writing to this girl in love with Tim Curry, and she switches over to Martina Navratilova? <laughs> I thought, this is the craziest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> we stopped writing her. I wonder how much it was to get her nose to be looking like Martina. <laughs> we had so much fun, though, reading the letters. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. some of them were obsessive. Oh, yeah, sure. And, and this was a time really before the internet was big. I mean, at, or even existed. Because when people had questions and people had literally to write in about it. Yeah, yeah. And we would answer. I, I had Phil oh, yeah. and Karen and Margot. Uh -huh. And they would actually answer letters. People write back, go, I can't believe you actually answered us in ink. <laughs> oh, in the beginning, hold it. I remember back in the days, people used to uh, go upstairs and you would be sitting there like kind of doing fan club work or like folding and putting in buttons and stuff yeah. like that upstairs. And then it became a thing in your house, like just folding, putting, folding, putting. And just sending <laughs> this is my living room. This is my bathroom. This is my folding and putting room. Yeah. <laughs> And, oh, and cards, cards. Everybody was like, oh, my card is number 4711. I, am I the only one that has that number? <laughs> sure thought, you are. I thought the card would be really cool if everybody had 4711. Because mm -hmm. who's going to remember who's number 7,630? Sure. Or anything like that. 
And in how many Phil, how many times do we have to answer that? Oh, no, you're not no, the same forty seven eleven. I'm the luckiest person. I'm the luckiest. <laughs> you, you'd be amazed. It took me forever to find one of those on eBay that wasn't forty seven eleven. Cost me a fortune. No. <laughs> All the fan club letters, all of it, like, I mean, it's it's the primary sources that I use a lot for um, all the stuff that we do on the podcast and we talk about. So I have... Primary sources over here? Yeah. <laughs> so a very large collection of all that stuff, but nothing close to all of it. And I slowly keep piecing it all together because... Um, it's, it's the history <laughs> that's there. So Well, you know what's interesting? As I got older, I certainly keep certain pictures and stuff like that. But I can't keep that. You know, I'm, I'm ready to clean out storage. But I think all my Rocky stuff is... Uh, I went to different conventions. And the, the fan, the actual fans who ran those individual conventions didn't have any money. Mm-hmm. So what we would do was to pay for my trip, I'd just do an auction at Rocky. And uh, I would throw in, you know, some autographs and things like that. And we'd do an auction or a raffle. And every one one fan, one group from, I don't know what state they were from, Michigan or something, I went to, to their thing and they were going to be in the, in, in, the, uh, in the hole for money. And I did, I said, I'll make you some money. I put together a little bunch of real collectibles and we had what they call a Chinese auction. Do you know what that is? What is that? It's amazing. What you do is you just keep having people bid. Say you bid five. I say, all right, we'll start the bidding at $5. And say you bid five. You got to put the five in my in my thing. If you're the last person to put money in my pocket, you win the whole thing. So then he'll give me $5. And he'll give me five. And, he'll, he'll, and now I've got like $100. I say, okay, now we're going to give the prize to whoever gives me $10. And everybody's t- next thing you know, the, the group is running this thing is $1,000 that I made for them. They came and they said, oh my God, you saved our life. I said, we're all in this together. You mm-hmm. know? <laughs> I always remember one of my, the first convention I ever went to was I think um, AC08. Um, and I think you were there because I remember you held a raffle. Yeah, and, we're calling and La- Larry ran that one. Yeah, that was yeah. one of Larry's. Always, always enjoyed listening to. I to remember that convention because my sister went to it, and me, Larry, and my sister all wound up at the same craps table. <laughs> <laughs> How'd you guys do? What? How'd you do? We won that night, and I said to Lily, "You're ahead. Stop." <laughs> Better than I did that convention. I think I got thrown out of that casino. <laughs> You were in charge of the fan club for over 40 years, you know? Um, so is there one thing that you could pick out as like, what was the most ambitious, like logically, like logistically complicated thing? You know, what was the craziest thing that you look back on and go, I don't know how we pulled that off? We, I think, you know, one of the things I could say with that is the audience participation album. Oh, okay. That Because what happened was we, Lou wanted to do soundtrack of the film with the shouting so <laughs> we booked a recording studio and i stood like at the top as the teacher and behind the podium and i go you know okay on the count of three scream asshole <laughs> and, then, asshole. and okay, on the count of four say you know slut or whatever you know <laughs> so 
they made they made this thing, and then they flew me out to California and made me sit there and listen to to it, and it was so static. Mm. It was like so asshole, slut. You know, <laughs> oh, it no. was like it was it was crazy. And Howard Frank, who's Lou's nephew, who was actually produced that album, he and I sat down, and then with Lou, of course, and Lou said, "This isn't working." So the best thing to do is let's go to the theater and, and actually film it happening, which we should have done from the beginning, you mm. know? And it was it it was so much different and, and so more it sounded real because it was real. More organic. Yeah, it's so weird to think that they just decided to be like, all right, well, let's take this like super New York at this point, like super New York, super like gritty reality of what Rocky Horror is and what like being a part of an audience participation show is. And let's put it in a recording studio <laughs> with like these fancy, the, these fancy mics, this fancy mixing table, this fancy X, Y, and Z and totally strip it of what makes it unique. Like why not just go to the theater and exactly. did you do it in was. a special theater or did you do it in like did you play it in a Oh we did it at 8th Street. Oh really? Yeah. It was at 8th Street. And before that when we were doing that static one, it was in some recording studio. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, that didn't work. And so you learn things over the years. Um people didn't appreciate Fox would sell the rights to certain products and stuff like that, but or books or the, but the people who were buying the rights didn't know anything, and Fox didn't know anything, so they would give them my phone number or somebody from the group, and um, then they expected us to do it for free. Oh. Like there's one company that was like, "We're going to do the Super Eight version of Rocky." Okay, all right. That this is way in the beginning. And he said, but we're only allowed to do 23 minutes of a movie. So I need somebody who's going to help me edit the film. I basically told him what were the most important things to include in the 23, 24 minutes. Mm -hmm. And then I said to him, well, how much am I getting paid for this? He, he, he looked at me like I was a, like a freak. And I said, what? He said, well, we were going to buy you lunch. <laughs> I said, no, you weren't going to buy me lunch. Well, yeah, I'll take the lunch. but uh, You're also going to pay me. <laughs> and it was $50, but it was still money. Sure, so, yeah. I mean, the, it just it's, it's, it's amazing how they took the fans for granted. Some people did. Other people, you know, would treat us like we were royalty. So, you know. And pe what was interesting was that some of the people within the cast had their own fan clubs or fans, you know. Yeah, I mean, Dory really was it. People loved her because when they, she came close to you, you actually felt you were with Frank, you know, and she could do his voice perfect. Mm -hmm. I, still, I still remember back to the uh, 10th anniversary when she sang and just like, the first time I had, because I was normally like an 8th Streeter, like Dory had not, you know, and then when Dory came, and sung, I was just like, holy smokes. Which you knew, I'm going home, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And oh. it's just like, and it was like, the, the whole audience, you just like, everybody just stopped. And Dory had an album, and one of her songs was played in The Sopranos, and uh, her album was great. And Is I this Blue Gin? Her. What? Blue Gin. That's one of her Blue albums. Blue Gin was the album. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the good thing about it was that Dory and I were always friends. 
we never had a problem or anything like that. I mean, she, she, she acted like Frank. There were times where I'd see her get mad at somebody. She was Frank, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you talked all about the, you know, the first, we, we, we always hear about Louis Farisi and, and the first stuff there and how you guys were evolving, you know, some of that stuff at the very beginning. Um, what was some of like the most heinous things that people tried to throw or that people tried to scream or what, or is there any that you were just like, I wish that one had caught on. I loved that. Well, Mark and I were, were the ones throwing the hot dog <laughs> and we got in trouble for that. They were like, it's bringing rats into the theater. Stop it. <laughs> and we were like, and you know what? We, at that time we were we didn't have any money, so it was like we had to go out and buy a dozen hot dogs. It was expensive. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so that didn't go over. And the big thing, which kind of really made the whole announcements and emceeing stuff, came from the fact of the lighting of the candles or the matches. And that was when the Waverly came up to me and said, look, we're going to have to close this movie down. We can't have open flames while people are high and they have newspapers on their head, which <laughs> makes sense, you know. So, so they said, you seem to be one of the few people that has everybody under control. So they said, tonight you need to make an announcement. No, no candles, no, nothing like that. So the woman, I remember the woman, she managed the theater, an old German woman named Denise Borden. She was great. And uh, so that night, I, while everybody was just hanging out, I said, excuse me, excuse me. You know, you all know that I'm here and I love this movie just like you do. And they all went, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said, but they're going to close this down. Bring flashlights, bring anything else, but don't open any flames during during Rocky because they will close this down. And that night, not a single light was, flame was was opened. And the place cheered. And Denise Borden said to me, good. Now you do that every week. You get up there and do it. So I'm here I am with an audience. I was like, oh, okay. Why don't we celebrate somebody's 15 times seeing it or, you know, happy birthday, it's Phil's birthday or something like that. And it became the thing, it became being the MC. It was just as important as dressing as a character, you know. Yeah, it's it's definitely one of my favorite things to it do. Is, it is one hundred percent my favorite thing to do. Like every single time uh, I get casted, I'm like, "Cool, I'm playing Frank," or "Cool, I'm playing Rip." But when I see myself under host, I'm like, "Yeah, that's what I'm talking <laughs> about." And then you can do we, anything you want. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. And then when I get casted as MC and Frank, through the roof, my <laughs> ego is so astronomically high that evening. You you can't beat it. And it's funny that you say that, you know, back then you had issues with people bringing open flames to shows where almost 50 years later we have the same damn problem. It's like, it's been 50 years. Y'all haven't learned this yet? That you should not have an open flame inside? <laughs> yeah, there's a flashlight in your pocket now. <laughs> Take out your phone, man. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. We didn't have those in those days. <laughs> yeah, you had to actually go home and like get a flashlight and bring it. Everyone has one now. And they still lighters. The amount of effort it would take to go get candles right. to have to have them. <laughs> well, flashlights work, too. Yeah, you know? yeah. God, I, rem I remember those when we started carrying all that. And, and we'd go to the movies carrying bags of groceries. <laughs> <laughs> what, was the, what was kind of the first thing that you were like, okay, we're, we're an organization kind of now, like I've started doing this. Like, What was like the first big purchase that you were like, this is for the cast? Did you guys like... 
buy microphones or a, a prop piece no or we, we everybody bought their own props yeah. and carried them home like i said we had no thing at the waverly and we really and because of that we really did never we never in the early days did the entire film right never and when we were the cast on stage of the 10th anniversary I can remember somebody from another cast up in the balcony yelling down at us when it was all over and people were leaving. What's the matter, 8th Street? Don't you do the whole movie? <laughs> Meanwhile, whoever they were. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. I can remember that. That, that I remember. <laughs> oh, God. It's, it's great when you're having like a chat session. And then all of a sudden something triggers something else. Mm. Yeah. God. When did you start doing the whole movie? Um, probably when we moved to where did we? We went to Fifty Fifth Street after after Eighth Street. There was a yeah, the Fifty Fifth Street Theater, and then and then we went to to back to Eighth Street, but the other little NYU Eighth Street Theater afterwards. Yeah. So we were between oh yeah, and then to Village East. Yeah, that was a, it. Was something Eighth Street? It was called. Oh, movie Land, Land, Movie Eighth Land, Eighth Street. Street. So there was Movie Land, Eighth Street, which was good because actually a former Rocky, uh, uh, Howie used to was the manager from from that theater. I remember back in the days. Oh, so that was like an easy slide in. Nice. The, well, there was various different people that I knew that various different. There was an evolution of uh, all related Rocky people that are always infiltrating theaters <laughs> well that's how we got back at the village east too was because there was somebody there who was familiar with the phenomenon familiar with how to manage a theater with a rocky cast in it so it was just kind of like it was a no-brainer once they found that we were looking for a theater for nyc i remember all those different moves and we had a break in the the, the audit break in the the, the the employees of the theater. I'm mm. sure. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. To let them know. Oh, and especially the security, because I always talk about there was that one person at a the movie line East Street East. Um, there was this one guy. I remember he had a mustache, and he really like he was like kind of uh, like kind of like former cop, and he was just like would destroy our microphones, like literally just pull out the microphones, and like yo, we were doing good. Like li- literally, little Nell just came there, like everything is like didn't matter. I hate you guys. Oh, I hate you. Oh yeah, yeah. A lot of people hated us at the theaters, the, the owners and different things like. That. Oh, hold on, but wait a second. There was I remember there was that time back in in the days where people used to just show up just to fight, like you know wanted to start trouble. Well, you know when when we had the big ride at the Waverly, uh, one of the one of my comedy bits, early comedy bits, was playing Janet in a bronze slip, and. Uh, I can't, what's happening here? And I come down the end, people will go crazy. It's in the Rocky Horror book, the original Rocky Horror book. And people, there was a gang that hang out, hung out in the village that didn't like all the attention we were getting. We were stopping traffic and stuff like that. And one night they got me into the theater early because they were, they were out to kill the guy in the bra. Different world. Thank Different God Ron world. DeSantis wasn't mayor of New York at the time. Right. Did I say that? <laughs> Oops. No, do you hear about the drag queen thing? He, he's going to arrest any parents who take their kids to a drag show. Oh, yeah, so this is Florida. Well, excuse me, mm-hmm. Shakespeare was a drag show. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. exactly. You know, excuse me, Rocky Hard's a drag show. Literally, Shakespeare had his, his, 
his son in drag. Hamnet, I think it was his, his son's name. You heard it first here, folks. Sal Piero says, don't move to Florida. <laughs> Feel bad for the cast out there. Yeah, right. But, you know, we're talking a lot about, like, the drama that you had to kind of endure, whether it was, like, internal cast or external gangs trying to, you know, pull one over on you. But, like, in your opinion, um, what was, like, the spiciest cast-specific drama that happened while you were in charge? What's the tea, Sal? You gotta understand, I started, I was aging, and I was now, especially when we got into our big fame, I was in my late twenties, early thirties. Everybody else was seventeen. And I We know the feel. We trust me, we know that feel. <laughs> and Phil Phil will tell you, I didn't get involved in any of that stuff. Yeah. yeah. It, it's so funny because it, in the in the beginning, like everybody was into the gossip except remember remember uh, gossip the agents of gossip where it was like getting only Going spicy stories is paramount. Yeah, yeah. We had a joke where we sat up in the balcony, it was my sister and I and Justin and certain people and we would, we, Kathy, uh-huh. <laughs> David and Jimmy, and we would sit there and just make tease all these young kids <laughs> and stuff like that. And we called ourselves G-O-S-S-I-P, getting only spicy stories is paramount. Right. And, oh, and sometimes there would be, uh, there would be announcements or people would send in blind uh, articles or something like that when you would read it out loud right before the show. <laughs> so there was, always, there was always added stuff to the pre-show. That's why those pre-shows were just... Oh, really- the pre-shows were great. We actually had everybody dressed and did We Are the World. Oh, neat. Phil, you 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 did the dentist number from. Oh uh, yeah, we we uh, I did dentist with Amanda and her sister Courtney, and uh, I remember we did uh, dancing in the streets with me and Madman Mike. That's right. And then what was his name? Ed. Oh, you and Ed. Ed was he was a funny looking guy, but hysterically funny black guy, and he and I put on wigs. Uh huh. And we did Enough is Enough, Barbara Streisand and Donna Summer. It brought the house it down. Really did. Like, there was always this little, we were, like, competing. I don't even know what we were competing for, like, prizes or something. Like, it was just for fun. Oh, and, like, each week it would, like, it would be, like, little lip sync contests. And that one just won everything. It was done. When we were in 55th Street, I started this thing called the Posse Olympics. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was all my all my favorites, like... Phil and Margo and all these people. And they led me down the aisle when I was introduced, and we used the absolutely fabulous theme. Absolutely. And I came down, and I said, we should have a contest. And who's the best of the posse? And and I would say, okay, tonight it's Phil versus Margo. Okay, you're going to get one point for the person who can collect the most condoms in the right, audience. Right. And they're going around with them, give us condoms or pennies. Right. There would always be something like that. And, and then it was a way to kind of like, you were the main high mucky mutt, but it gave a chance to give uh, all the other members of the cast a chance to shine. Yeah. Oh, it's amazing that, you know, all of those fun things to entertain the cast, you know, before the show and all of that, that kind of stuff has kind of over the years evolved into the absolutely crazy overly complicated pre-show numbers that you know um there's we have a whole a whole segment for them at our at the upcoming rko con where they're doing you know all that stuff and that just like what started as that became way too over-engineered <laughs> yeah exactly because it was just it was lip sync contests and now it is fully orchestrated you know acrobatic uh oh some of the ones we did at the at the 
like 20th, 25th anniversary. That those contests were unbelievable. Oh yeah, they, they they rented trucks and brought props down, and it's amazing. I love that. They did. Remember, there was that one cast in California that did. Um, they did a whole Rocky thing with Dangerous Minds. That was one of the most creative things I had ever seen. It was incredible. Oh yeah, song parodies, things like that. Um, a, another thing uh, from the early days. One uh, one other like. Most important parts of Rocky to me and our cast is, of course, just like hanging out, getting around to fuck around with everybody. You know, um, we've kind of had to evolve, you know, where we're hanging out over the, you know, the venue moves. We go to a different bar. We go to a different thing. What was like your favorite place to go like after the show and hang out? Oh, Tiffany's in the village. It was a it was a coffee shop and my sister and Jennifer and a whole bunch of us would go there every week and... (laughs) We, Tiffany's was like my regular diner because I lived in the village for a while. Mm -hmm. And we started this thing where we'd buy a cupcake. (laughs) This is three o'clock in the morning. We'd buy a cupcake and put a candle in it and get up and go to a random table and sing happy birthday to somebody (laughs) and give them the candle. And people were like, I said, it's a birthday festival. And finally, the owner said to me, no more birthday festival. No more. <laughs> I'm like, you're getting a sale. I'm buying a cupcake. <laughs> but we had a good time. Yeah, some, of the, some of the more rambunctious of the group went to that S&M place. Oh, yeah. right, right, right. Ninth Circle. Or, uh, 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 wait, wait, wait. Um, Hellfire Club. Hellfire Club. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, I, I wasn't about to participate with the Rocky kids there. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. Fair. <laughs> In fact, one of the, the woman who was the, uh, she, she was the ticket taker at uh, right. the H Street Playhouse, she was a big thing at Hellfire. Mm. She was a big old mama. And uh, <laughs> her son was an usher. I was totally embarrassed to see his mother like playing around with these kids. so uh point blank tell us about your favorite ducklings my favorite what what are ducklings just like the little in the 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 little people that kind of were around you when you were head honcho people that would do anything and everything that would drop whatever they wanted to do whatever you needed done and you take them under your wing we're not talking about a sexual angle here not even close no because the thing is, I was very lucky. You know, I'm I'm proud of the fact that I'm attracted to old men. No, no, I am. I've never had a pro- I've never had a problem with a kid. You know, because I'm not interested in them. And because I was Sal, I honestly did have people coming after kids coming after me, mm. and I'm not even a, a hand around the shoulder. Mm. Got to be. You have to be careful. I didn't treat them as if they were just doing things for me. If I really, really liked them, like Phil mm-hmm. is one of my all-time favorite people, and so is Margot. Right and I haven't seen Karen in ages, but uh, Karen would be too, these certain people. And of course, my sister was there for oh, years. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Uh, it was just like you take... Uh, I, and I will say for the record, as, as a person that grew up working for the fan club and things like that, like... I really didn't have a lot of like parental guidance kind of a thing, and and I, I looked to Sal and the, and the Rocky people kind of like like a family kind of things, and take, yeah. by taking me under the wing, I feel like I've I've grown up to be a 
a decent human being and I learned a lot of values from Rocky Horror. So if anybody wants to say anything, yeah, take that, uh, Florida. I'm just not saying Florida personally, Ron DeSantis. <laughs> but if I did like somebody, male or female, if I if I really, really liked them, I like their personality, I like what they could do, I would take them under my wing. Justin was under my wing for years. And let me tell you, we had some funny stuff. He was a natural comic and um, made him queen of the theater once. Get up! Get up! He's standing there with a, with, a, with, a, with a sword. Get up, you bitches! I'm the queen! <laughs> and, so, and he did... Richard O'Brien was there, and he did a Vanna White routine with Richard's name turning around the vowels. Oh, right, right, right. There's a picture of that in, in the book. Increases the night. Oh, yeah. cool. Yeah. I, I Certain people. I love Stana. Oh, Remember yeah, Stana? Sure, sure. Uh, Phil, Phil Margo and, and Karen. Are... The, the, the main... Uh, and John. John used to help oh, a yeah, lot. yeah, yeah, yeah. And Joe's girlfriend. What was Joe's girlfriend's name? Oh. They opened up that lizard shop in Florida. Right, right. Joe was the one who made my cape. Yeah. Famous cape. Mm -hmm. Airbrush cape. And also was giving out uh, early tattoos. So I know Mad Ben Mike got an early tattoo. Everybody, he was trying out the tattooing thing. That's where huh. I got my first tattoo from him, too. So Oh, very cool. And I, I think we might have passed away. So. <laughs> God rest him. God rest him. Well, speaking of your cape, actually, since it came up... <laughs> Um, I have a question here that's about like your favorite piece of Rocky, you know, ephemera, memorabilia, just kind of what's, what's your most treasured thing or something that got away from you that maybe you wish you still had. Oh, oh, you're gonna, you're really gonna get upset with this story. <laughs> I love making Aaron mad, so oh, no. <laughs> I'm here for this. Let's just say, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what happened to it before I tell you what it was. I was given something as a gift, and that's when my friend Alex was involved in the fan club and helping us with fail a convention and all that. And this piece of memorabilia was actually in Alex's house. And Alex didn't take it. There was nothing like that. But they had come and cleaned out Alex's house, of family divorce or something like that. And I think it got thrown out. <laughs> You ready? No. The criminologist Jack. Oh, son of a bitch! Rest oh. in peace. That really hits home for Aaron specifically because he loves playing Krim. I do love playing Imagine Krim. Imagine being able to play Krim in after, the jacket after itself. We, after we do this, I'm going to show you my Charles Gray collection. Oh, yes. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> you have my attention. <laughs> So, so, so the vibe is that Aaron is the person who is like very much into like the the history of Rocky Horror, the the memorabilia side from it, and then I'm the one who's hot, right? <laughs> and, and it's, it's funny, funny because that has nothing to do with the podcast because nobody sees my face. It's a real it's a real shame. So we're gonna let Aaron do a lot of this, but I'm gonna ask you the first one. So in the early days, like a huge portion of the fan club contributions and content was in the form of fan fiction and other like derivative works things that were not necessarily canon to rocky is there a story that you remember that fit in super neatly or had such a unique angle that it's practically canon to you in the rocky universe i have i, I hate to disappoint you but i was never into the fan fiction thing good me neither <laughs> i was just purely into rocky mm -hmm. you know 
I mean, certain other movies I'm obsessed with too. Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, La Cage They all seem to involve dragons some way. But now, Phil, you did a Disney version of it, or where, no, where, Simpsons I version. I did the Simpsons one. Yeah, that, that that made it into the book, so I was glad that one. I, I just saw that the other day. I was flipping through. Yeah. He did the, all the Rocky casts as the Simpsons. Did yeah. that under the Nom de Plume Esquire. Esquire. <laughs> That was yeah. I was flipping through the other day. That's when I found your uh, Rocky audience demographics. Oh, thing. Yes. Yeah, thank you so much for finding that. Man. <laughs> and I use Phil's artwork in both of my books. So, both yeah, of the okay. creatures books. And also, mm-hmm. uh, also, you played a, a, a like whenever we were doing things for other stuff. Because I remember we were doing a promo for Dead Alive. You also hired me for that too. So I was just oh, that's right. And and you didn't do Jungle Bus, did you? Uh, no, I did not. Some guy came. Guy made this terrible movie called Jungle Bus. It was an amateur, but he said, maybe you can make it into another Rocky Horror. So, like, he hired me. <laughs> it was just, people came up to me afterwards and said, really, Sal? <laughs> he was a nice guy. You know, I was, who knew? You, you can't make a Rocky. Like, you know, it just happens. It's like that thing for The Room. Like, The Room came out and everybody's like, oh, okay. Like, people started going to that because they wanted to see how theoretically bad it was. So then it became a thing. So when, like Rocky, it became a thing. Yeah, it became a thing. You never know what's going to become a thing. I'm watching this thing on HBO now called The Baby. Mm-hmm. The Baby's a murderer. Oh! <laughs> Spoilers! I was but just about to the whole time. Never looks evil. Never, You never see the baby kill. And you watch this thing go, oh... <laughs> But it's interesting what what turns you on, what doesn't. Mm-hmm. Do you remember like when when Rocky was going? I, I guess there's later on um, when when we were over at Twenty Third Street. I remember remember that um, what was that stripper movie they were trying to make into the next Rocky? Oh, oh Showgirls. Not a stripper yes. movie. It was Showgirls. 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 Yeah. yeah. Showgirls. I went one night and left Rocky to go. I had to see it. Hmm. And you know what? There were a couple of cute ideas, but they were forcing it down your throat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. I think I think they had head of lettuce introducing it and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. You really kind of camp it up, but I, yeah. yeah, head is very talented. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the the closest I think that any studio has come right is like Repo, the Genetic Opera. Um, the Room does really well now, although that wasn't intentional at all. You know? Yeah, it's when it's not intentional. That's like Rocky. It wasn't intentional for, for it to be so... Have you sat through the whole room? Unfortunately, yes. Multiple Several times. times, yeah. We do it. They, they do it at uh, RKOCon, so that's my, like, get trashed and during that one. It's also the cast's version of and get what trashed about, and perform. Are you talking about Repo Man? Uh, Repo the Genetic... It's a musical adaptation of the same story that oh, Repo Man is. Oh, okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's also horrible. Uh, not a, not a huge fan. Now, then, now then you get somebody like John Waters. Every one of his movies, every one of them, has lines that you could shout at them. It has everything. And Mink Stoll, Margot actually was the stage manager for a show that Mink, Mink Stoll did, and I got to go backstage and meet Mink Stoll. Wow! Because huh. oh. Desperate Living is my favorite John Waters film. You know, John Waters, he just really understands trash. I mean, I don't mean it like <laughs> trash. I don't mean like trash. All right, but he just understands what, what the pulse of, you know, to give the people the thing, to do the thing. And he's not like, he's not trying. It's mm-hmm. like David Lynch. Like, David Lynch does his thing and everybody goes, huh. And, oh, and, he would find these interesting people and put them in his entourage yeah. and then just make magic with them. 
I mean, the thing is, female trouble. Oh my God! When when they're all sitting in the in the in the school, and they go, "Oh, Mr. Weinberger, John Davenport is eating a meeple hero in class, and she's passing notes." <laughs> and, uh, and then they're in the bathroom, and they say, "What are you getting for Christmas?" Well, you know what I like to do. I like to take the presents back and get the money. You can do that, you know. <laughs> I mean, it, 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 it's really difficult, right, to manufacture something that hits like that, you know? Mm. Like, and I mean, they, it, Fox kind of tried with shock treatment, you know, to kind of recapture, you know, the, the kind of thing. It was really a, a stretch trying to do shock treatment. Yes, it was. I, uh, Thank you. <laughs> I have I I had a lot of fun though, mm -hmm. going to London, and actually being there on the set, and doing my little mini cameo where you can't even see me, but it, it the reason for that was because I wasn't a member of the the, the union, mm -hmm. so they couldn't give me any kind of featured thing, so they put me on a phone and they said just turn around and it was okay. I got you know. I got to hang out with Charles. I got to hang out with um, Ruby Wax, who was amazing in that movie. Oh yeah. Was it uh, was it your favorite compared to like Fame and doing the remake? You know, just recently. Oh yeah. Oh, that'd be interesting. I never thought of that. What was my favorite that I participated in? Oh, it has to be Fame. Mm -hmm. You know why? Because. When I was a kid, and the reason why I know so much about show business is I read the credits, I did everything. When I was a kid, every movie, every TV show, you know, I can name the whole cast of My Little Margie right now. When you, most people go, what, My Little Margie? What? <laughs> Some sitcom in the 50s. Mm. It was the summer replacement series for Lucy. Anyway, but, but... There'd be all these different things that I that, that that I would love, and I'd love to read the credits. And at the end of Fame, while I was sitting in the theater, and the credits come up, and I saw my name, that's the gave me the biggest kick, biggest thrill that I had. I'm in the credits, you know, <laughs> <laughs> with a speaking role. <laughs> with a speaking role. Who needs it, a union? And uh, that actually happens. I mean, some guy yelled at me from the theater. The night that Alan Parker was there, so get on with it. He was like, "What? I thought I was coming to see him. Get on with the show." And I said, "This is the fucking show." <laughs> and the place went nuts. And Alan Parker said to me, "I loved what you did to that audience member. I'm writing it into the movie." Because I went to the they invited me to do auditions for Fame, and I said, "Why am I here?" There were twenty sixteen year olds there and ten six year sixteen year olds there. And me, but I, they were all reading from scripts and I was sitting by nothing in my hands. And the guy said to me, look, he goes, I want you in the movie. I want you to play the MC of the thing. And so I was basically reproducing something I had done in real life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no fame, fame is it. Yeah. And it's a great movie. It is. I, I would have never watched it if not for Rocky. I mean, that's why I sought it out was because your bit in it and just like oh yes this is this is the movie that brought rocky to you know mainstream box offices kind of thing you know to get people aware of it so um, a lot of movies try to get that rocky flavor in there like a like perks of it was perks of a wallflower perks of being a wallflower yeah, yeah. Trying to get that rocky. yeah it's mid 
So seeing your name in the credits for fame was like one of like your highlights just in the Rocky, the, the Rocky universe that you have existed. But like, let's, let's narrow it down to be something like physical. Like what was your, what is your most treasured piece of Rocky memorabilia? And like, what's the story behind it? It was probably the jacket that I told you. About. No, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Having it. And you know what was interesting about it was it, it was a little bit off color because of in the lights in, in while they were filming it. It looks like black, right? No. Yeah, it's like a very dark gray with black yeah, lapels kind of thing. It's a, it was, in real life, it was a lighter gray. Really? Yeah. Huh. Looks like you're going to have to get a new one, Aaron. <laughs> yeah, it looks like. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. And you had um, Janet's dress for a while too, right? Yes, and... Um, I think we we auctioned it. Oh yeah, we auctioned it off to make money for a convention that was losing money. Mm-hmm. Those those auctions really come in handy. Yeah, <laughs> all right. That's the that's the big takeaway. If you're okay, I'm wondering if I should give you this scoop. It's a real scoop. Ooh. Do well, it, do, do you know, it, do it. Do you know that for years, um, I when we did William Phil which was a little cameo at the end. The whole cast was standing in front of a movie theater. Mm-hmm. It was directed by Paul Mazursky. And my friend Alex was good friends with Jill Mazursky. And I've known Jill Mazursky since she's a little girl. Paul Mazursky is a famous director. He directed Bob and Carol, Ted and Alice, and a whole bunch of other stuff. Anyway, Jill called me about seven or eight years ago while I was out of Fire Island and said, Sal. I said, Jill, what are you calling me for? And she said, I just bought your books, Creatures of the Night, on eBay or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, Sal, it's a movie. It's definitely a movie. And uh, I said to her, really? She goes, yeah, that's what I do now. I find properties to produce. Anyway, Creatures of the Night has been in development for like seven or eight years. Oh, wow. And we're closer now than we have been. Really? Well, because... They uh, found the director. He's unknown, but he's from England. He directed a marvelous series on HBO. And um, they found somebody who wants to play me. They're not going to have the whole cast. There's going to be a Dory. There's going to be a Sal. There's going to be a Mark. My sister will be in it as a little girl. Um, And Ben Platt wants to play me. No way. At 26. Evan Hansen wants to play (laughs) Sal Piero? That's amazing. Wow. Uh, (laughs) That's awesome. That's so cool. We have a producer. We have a director. There was this wonderful show that was on HBO maybe six months to a year ago about young guys in the 80s in England dying of AIDS. Mm Mm-hmm. And this guy's a marvelous director, and he wants to... So it looks like... But again, we're talking two years away. Oh, sure. That's fantastic. So, like, who 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 wrote the adaptation? Did the did somebody come along and do, like, a whole, like, screenwritten adaptation kind of thing for it? Or? Oh, there's a script. There's oh, a, wow. Yeah, it, it, it follows the, the story of these young people, you know, um... They make reference, to, there's a reference to me in the very beginning where my mother's picking me up. It looks like she's picking me up at jail. And 
and we're fighting in the car. And she said, I don't want to take this crap from you anymore. And she she drives away, and you see there wasn't the jail I was in. It was the seminary. And then <laughs> they, they show Mark. They show Dory dressing up in her mirror and stuff like that. And these characters all come together and and start Rocky Horror. Oh, wow. Now, that's a film I go see yeah. every hold time. It, hold <laughs> it. Is it going to be a miniseries or just a movie? They're going to take whatever they can get. If, if Netflix offers them a series. Oh, yeah. Now that we're talking. But, no, they really want it to be a theater theater show. Imagine if they put out a movie and then there was audience participation and uh, and the cast. There would have to be, right? Absolutely. Somebody playing Ben Platt, playing Sal. <laughs> and then, of course, you know what conventions everybody's going to want to do. And everybody's gonna start oh, yeah. Part. They're going to have to start auditioning for it and it's going to be... Could you imagine if we got a, a proper I'm going to Creatures of the Night convention. <laughs> <laughs> a convention for... Yeah, wow. Yep. I'm throwing it. Let's uh, let's do it. We got to waste the New York cast fund on something. Yep. <laughs> wow. So they, did your podcast like it's scoop? Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sitting there going like, it's it's not out yet. Are we? Are you? Are you? Are you you're the man. So oh. is, is it just the wine talking? Or are you going to be like, wait, wait a second? <laughs> it is the ultimate scoop. This is so cool. I'm blown away. And so looking forward to it. Thank you. That's so cool. Actually, they were asking me, who, who, who would you like to play you? And back when she first said seven years ago, I said Jonah Hill. I thought Jonah Hill would be a good oh, choice. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's and actually, you know who they thought for a while, too? Eugene Levy's son from Shoots Creek. Yep. Oh, okay. Who I really think would be the best. But he's gotten older now. Mm. So I need a more... Sassier version. Talk about a show that blew me for a loop. When I saw the ad for it originally, Shit's Creek, I went, oh, this is what I need to see, not. <laughs> and my friend, I have a friend who only sees like Maggie Smith movies, said to me, oh, Sal, you got to see Shit's Creek. It's wonderful. I said, from you? <laughs> I, I can't believe this, you know. He's, he, I mean, this guy follows Vanessa Redgrave around. So I said, okay, well, I'll try it. I can't believe how good Shit's Creek is. Yeah. It's really funny. And I liked him. I thought the, the son, because I usually, having been in the gay world and worked at Fire Island and all that, mm-hmm. sometimes people playing gay characters kind of get on my nerves because I've seen it all, you know? Sure. But I thought this guy is different, you know? He's really, there's something about him that there's a real intelligence behind his performance, but I'm happy with Ben Platt if that's where it goes. Yeah, that's I mean, that's an awesome casting. Yeah, that'd be amazing. I'm so I'm so here for it. I'm <laughs> so here for it. How do you uh, yet again? I feel like it's the third time we've said this, but how do you follow that up? Yeah, it's a, this episode is just like keeps giving. <laughs> <laughs> well. We can follow up a, a hot upcoming property with uh, some lukewarm, never made properties. <laughs> that sounds delicious. Are we talking my... about sequel? Yeah, I, I wanted to, I wanted to talk about Revenge of the Old Queen, the the uh, the cartoons that were supposed to be made at some point. Yeah. I didn't know if you know anything about any of this. Stuff. Some of the things like the cartoon that was a Showtime thing was possibly going to happen, never happened. Uh, Revenge of the Old Queen, we thought was we thought for sure was going to happen, and they turned that into shock treatment. And 
shock treatment, that's because they knew they weren't going to get Tim Curry. And so they made Janet and Brad the centerpiece, you know. I love shock treatment. I think there's some of my favorite. I love the woman who plays Janet. She was great in Phantom of the Paradise. Jessica Harper, yeah. Mm -hmm. She's amazing. And I love some of those songs and, you know, Denton, Denton and all that stuff. I got to be there while she was filming Me of Me. I sat there in awe watching her just doing. She really? So great. I was there for that and I was there for the Denton number while they were filming that. Oh, cool. Yeah, I, I, I mean, honestly, I like some of the music in Shock Treatment a little better than some of the Rocky songs. So, like, you know. Yeah. Not I'm the, admittedly not the hugest fan. It's one of the recurring gags on the podcast that I absolutely hate Shock Treatment. But at the very least, I will agree with you there. The music in Shock Treatment is... is the music in Shock Treatment is real good. It's damn good. It's yeah. good. Yeah. Oh, that's fun. Because you also did the... Um, you were shooting the behind-the-scenes kind of special when you were doing over the there. The Rocky for, Horror Treatment. Yes, that... Which, the guy who produced it was really nice, really smart. And uh, I remember flying to London. This was so sad. I woke up in London after being on a plane all night, and John Lennon's death was announced. Oh. And I, I heard it in London. And did that get me crazy? Because oh, I was Beatles, too. Very big on the Beatles. I was 14 when the Beatles came out, so... Hard, hard not to be <laughs> yeah. Yeah, at that point. Well, speaking of uh, projects that may or may not, uh, Creatures of the Night 3, I'm going to ask you. Oh, no. No, never. <laughs> the problem with Creatures of the Night 2 is if you don't know anything about Creatures of the Night 1, it's kind of a boring book, you know? And so Creatures 3, years, 20 years later, is like... No. Well, I had to try. <laughs> <laughs> Also, I'm 72. <laughs> no, fair. In two hours. <laughs> any any wishes and hopes for the next level? So now that Rocky's on the precipice of 50. Is there anything that you like foresee for the 50th anniversary? There'll be something. Mm. Because uh, Lou, Lou Adler and I have not talked about it, but there's going to be something. Is there anything that like you would like to see personally happen for the 50th? Well, the thing is, so many things have happened over the years. Mm -hmm. what, what's there new? other than just have a memorial service for Jonathan Adams and Charles mm -hmm. and Meatloaf mm -hmm. and, right. and Tim Curry in a wheelchair. You know, it's a shame. Mm -hmm. he, uh, he gets around, though. He's gone to a couple of con fan conventions. And when we did that thing in um, where New uh, Los Angeles named it Rocky Horror Day, and that was really, uh, that was an exciting time, actually. Mm. It was, people were great. Yeah, I heard through the grapevine. There was a what was it two or three years ago when we had to lend our costumes to the the Democrat yeah. convention for the the virtual Rocky show. I ended up having to be the person on our cast to deliver some of the costumes to Rosario Dawson, who ended up being the person to play Magenta. Uh, it was literally incredible. She like invited me into her apartment and like we just hung out for like three hours. I was like, I'm hanging out with Rosario Dawson. I need to scream. But she was actually talking when I the next day when I had to go pick everything up from her about how like how full of life Tim is despite everything that is holding him back right now. She was like, I fully expected to like just kind of like sit there and be like and mourn the fact that like we have this literal icon in this condition but she was like i felt 
as if I was talking to Tim pre-stroke. It was wild. It was incredible. And I was like, thanks, Rosario. That's really cool. But Rosario was with um, Cory Booker for yep. a while. Was, was that a real coupling? The, I mean, she talked about him when I was there. Uh, and referred to him on a first name There's basis. There's been rumors. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, she referred to Corey like on a first name basis, as if like I knew who he was. And I was like, "This is strange. I need to leave Soho right now." You mentioned uh, Jonathan Adams. I did have a, a question about it because um, I know that after Rocky Con one, um, he did a set at the Duplex that you had hooked him up with. Yes, um, Jonathan. I, I had. We mentioned before that I had done stuff at the duplex. Yeah. And Jonathan wanted was coming for the convention and he contacted me and said, Is there a place that, you know, I can do my one man show? I said, Well actually I, I work at this place called the duplex, I can get you and uh, we discussed it and, and he liked the idea of me being in his opening act and stuff like that. He's a very clever man. I saw him I saw him do the revival of Rocky on the West End, but he played, I don't think he played Dr. Scotty, but I think he played the criminologist. I, I, I'm, I'm having a little blank on that. But he also did this show based on Tom Lehrer. Have you ever seen that? I haven't seen it, but I've heard of it. Oh, yeah. he's the one that does the Vatican rag. Genuflect, 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 and stuff like that. Jonathan Adams was a very clever man. And generous, I met him through the Rocky Conventions, and I was coming to London um, for some Rocky stuff to look for stuff and just or just hang out. And uh, he said to me, "Oh, come stay with me in my house." Oh wow! And um, I got there, and there was a note on the door that said he got called out of town for a show. So here are my keys. Enjoy. He just left me his house <laughs> for the week. Wow! Wow! Wild. Yeah. He and I became good friends. He's a nice man. Was a nice man. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was. I was curious because I mean, I being one of the the cast members that has passed on. You know, all I've got to go on are you know the recollections of other people. I read his autobiography, which is oh, just such a weird data kind of like I don't know what's true in here and what's not. Kind of you know delightful you know kind of thing. They really made him up for the movie because if you ever see Jonathan Adams. Not as Dr. Scott. He doesn't look anything like him. He really doesn't. But Charles Gray looked exactly like he did. I've <laughs> <laughs> always heard he never sees his own movies. So I think just to kind of close out what we've been talking about for, uh, you know, the past time, um, I think a, a nice kind of ending question that we can ask for you, Sal, is what advice do you have for future Rocky Horror cast leaders? Oh, make sure you're in good stead with the uh, theater owners. Hmm. So happy we switched. Because <laughs> <laughs> if you get a bad theater owner, it screws everything up, screws your whole show up. Remember that there's a, a thin line these days with the me movement and stuff like that. And even though some of the stuff that the, the MCs does in the beginning, some of it is you just can't do that anymore. Oh, yeah. But I get upset because there were, there were innocent people being charged and there were guilty people who were being let off the hook. Mm -hmm. And that will always, that always gets to me. You know? Oh, yeah. But I'm all for, no, you have to do it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Main point is don't have favorites. Keep the peace. Keep everybody cool between each other. Like, you know, learn to navigate between 
the different cliques. It's it's much like it's kind of like being the president at a, like school or something like that. There's all these different like the hippies sit here and this this that there. You need to be able to bring everybody together to create a beautiful show that's gonna keep people coming back to the theater and also keep people like you know keep the audience people because that's where you get the new blood. You know, so you get them all psyched up. And when people see great performances, people are like, I want to do that. And that's where they get it. So they do it. Right? That's why I don't get upset when I see, like, anybody's just like, oh, that uh, that Fox thing or it on Glee or something. like That's a sacrilege. No, man. It's, it's just not. to get new people in. Good. Also, you got to be careful, too, because of so in the early days, I never had to deal with social media. Mm-hmm. You know? and But you do now. You know, and the thing is, you got to be careful. You got to be careful because the most important thing is keeping Rocky alive. Yes. Right. Yeah. Like I said, you you were the original person that said uh, Rocky is going to be the the movie of the what the seventies into the eighties and the nineties and the here we are in twenty twenty two. I did another podcast uh, for some old friend of Karen's. And at first I thought, this, oh, this is that podcast everybody's talking. But it turns out you're the guys everybody's talking about. <laughs> Rocky Talkie. Give it a plug. <laughs> <laughs> you're so amazing. You know that? <laughs> Phil said thank you. I the know. The boy genius. <laughs> I'm just representing. I, I learned no longer, no longer a boy and definitely not a genius. I'm just making sure. <laughs> Ed- educating uh, future geniuses yeah. now. I'm doing my best. It's the last day of school. Hurrah! Huzzah! <laughs> Was it really? It, it, yes. Today is the last day of school. I love so, that for you. So yes, thank you. Yes. I'm, I also uh, came from my education job straight here, so I feel you. <laughs> preach, my bro. Preach. <laughs> Sal, thank you so much. Oh, listen, I had a ball. Maybe I can do another one next year. Sounds good. Absolutely. I have a million. Just bring the whites in for Dell and I'm good. <laughs> I'll do another one next week. If you... <laughs> you want the best Rocky show I ever saw? Oh, yes. What is the best Rocky show that you've ever seen? Milan, Italy. What? Really? Yeah, I, they flew me out. There was an older man who was in love with Rocky, and he was friends with the cast. And he wrote to me and said, I'd like to bring you to Milan for a week and host our weekend shows. The Frank was the best I ever saw. I actually thought I was looking at Tim Curry the whole time. Wow. And they had little bits and things that were different than anything we did. Their time warp was impeccable. The audience was all in tune. That was great, and the other one was great was the one in Japan. Mm. I came in 24 hours before the show, and I had to teach with a, with a translator. I had to teach them what to do, and I thought, oh, this is going to be awful. Yeah. And they went home and studied, you know, because they're very fastidious, you know, mm. and it was one of the best shows I ever saw. That's the one that they, they toured uh, with the Shadow cast, right? In Japan, like they went on to, or am I thinking of something else? You think, well, I don't oh, know what you're talking well, about. Well, the current, the current uh, Japanese cast is Lips, so, mm. and they're all sorts of awesome. Just wanted to throw it out. Yeah, I, I haven't heard anything from them in a while. Mm. Need to need to get my international Rocky up to snuff. <laughs> but I, I, have, I have seen some great, I mean, the creativity is unbelievable. Uh, amazing.